Welcome to Recently Logged, where this week it's the millennium and motives are incidental. Hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome to October. October. Well, I mean, we, I mean, I guess we started like our autumnal season it was like seasonal run last week i said welcome to I know. october <laughs> i was i was very confused for a second because i thought last week's episode was in october and now see, but yes fall, fall starts in september that's very true go I, through november <laughs> but yes welcome to october uh my name is robbie and i'm micah and we do our name introductions sporadically on the podcast I don't think we do them every episode. I think we try I to. I feel like you do it. I don't, I don't, I don't care to do it. They don't need to know my name. Wow. They just need to know my voice. It's anonymous. Exactly. Because, like, my opinions, <laughs> they are my name. I don't Yeah, I, I never think to say my name, but you, you bring it up almost every episode. So. Well, I feel, like, I feel like it's important for people to know who's who, you know? Yeah, I mean, you're not really... In, in, the, in the episode description, we're just credited as Micah and Robbie, you know? Just Micah and Robbie. Well, anyway. <laughs> Anyway, uh, since it's October, we're starting uh, what we what we came up with with uh, this year's Halloween uh, series that we wanted to do. Yeah, last year I think we just kind of did like a hodgepodge of a bunch of fall and Halloween related movies. Um, I know I think we did Over the Garden Wall either last year or the year before. I remember we did uh, we did the Harry Potter series one time around oh, fall, but I think yeah. that was like two years ago. No, I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, we did like Midnight uh, Mass. Yeah, we did Muppets on a Mansion, Beetlejuice, Midnight Mass, Over the Garden Wall, Malignant. It's just, a good run. Yeah, just, you know, spooky stuff. Man, Malignant. That film has aged like <laughs> fine wine, and it's only, been, it's only been like a year. Yeah, and then two years ago we did Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. Which, I mean, thinking about it, Harry Potter's like the perfect series to go from like fall to winter, you know? No, it is. It's a very, it's a very transitional period. That's why, that's why you gotta wait till like, uh, that's why you gotta wait till like, that's why I said uh, Prisoner of Azkaban is a mm-hmm. November movie. It is. I'd stand by that. <laughs> but anyway, we're talking about. Did we say what we no, were talking about? No, we didn't about? say what we were talking about. We're talking about Scream. We're talking about we're gonna Scream. Do, we're going to do at least the Scream trilogy. I don't think. Yes. I, I don't think we're going to extend it to four and five. But um, maybe I don't know. It depends on a couple things, but we'll see. Um, I own the trilogy on Blu-ray, so we're for sure going to talk about those. <laughs> uh, but the rest are kind of up in the air. So yeah. yeah. Scream. Scream. Let's let's tell the people what they need to know about Scream. Scream. Alright, Scream is a 1996 movie. It really is. Uh, it is rated R. It is an hour and 51 minutes. It really it's is. It's a little IMDb description. <laughs> is a year after... Mer- uh, a year after the murder of her mother, a teenage girl is terrorized by a new killer who targets the girl and her friends by using horror films as part of a deadly game. I mean, yeah, kind of. <laughs> uh, the cast features Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, Skeet Ulrich, 
uh, briefly Drew Barrymore. <laughs> uh, Although she she is she is briefly in the movie, but she is definitely a memorable dude, part. Dude, where's Matthew Lillard? Where's Matthew Lillard? He's is he not one of the top listed cast members? No, he's yeah, he's like all the way down here. Nah, Matthew Lillard. Matthew Lillard. <laughs> Jamie Kennedy, also Randy. So Randy and Stu are all the way down here. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're uh they're the unimportant characters uh rose mcgowan which is tatum like why are all of the main <laughs> characters way down here you've got sydney and then gail dewey <laughs> billy and then just like <laughs> just like random people yeah, who are random at the party people and then like tatum <laughs> stew and randy that's funny uh it's directed by wes craven it really is uh written by hold on <laughs> if it'll bring up the whole Michael's like if it'll actually alone by Kevin Williamson Kevin Williamson the MVP for real <laughs> and yeah that it's it's, it's, it's a horror great. it's a horror classic yeah I was about to say if you if you are old enough to watch horror movies or even if you're not you're probably familiar with scream to some capacity it's uh, been a cultural mainstay for decades yeah I mean at any rate you I guarantee you know the ghost face mask yeah I mean like <laughs> Come on. Right. Um, <laughs> it's Scream. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, let's um, let's get into what we thought. Yeah. So, Micah. So, Riley. What did you think of Wes Craven's Scream? <laughs> what did I think of Wes Craven's Scream? Me? I mean, we don't actually hear him scream. My personal opinion on Wes Craven's scream. <laughs> yes, that is, that is what we want to know, Micah. That's why the people came. I assume. Oh. <laughs> uh, I think I think Scream is probably one of the best horror movies out there, and I think it's probably one of the most fun and funny horror movies out there. Um, and I think it's got a lot of really great energy, and the cast is fantastic. I think yeah. I think the filmmaking <laughs> is immaculate. Um, it's it's just such a fun like I mean from the word go I'm super engrossed in this film yeah like you're just you're just you're just there for the ride a hundred percent and it never really comes down and that's a good thing and like I don't know it's really really fantastic I mean yeah uh, I mean there's a reason Scream is like a, a classic uh, to the extent that it still is like uh, so many people I know who are even my age still love Scream you know yeah. And it came out in 1996. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, Scream is kind of, it's kind of a marvel, really. Like, um, we mentioned Kevin Williamson. I said he was the MVP, but, like, the screenplay for this movie is so, so good. Like, just uh, in the text of this movie, there's so much you can just dig into and enjoy. And it still manages to be super fun and still scary and... Wes Craven does a great job directing it. Uh, I want to see a, more of his movies, really. Of course, until last <laughs> night, apparently, Robbie did not know that Nightmare on Elm Street was a Wes Craven movie. Oh, I thought you were saying Kevin Williamson directed it. No. It's oh, a, okay. It's a Wes... <laughs> no, I, I figured Wes Craven directed it. You were, you were talking about Kevin Williamson's other credits, like, uh, I know what you did last summer and everything, and you were like, oh, he directed Nightmare well, yeah, on Elm Street. Oh, yeah, but I was saying that, that Wes Craven wrote Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> Ah, see, I did. Okay, I, I was I was confused, Micah. <laughs> but yes, Scream, great movie, great <laughs> cast, uh, fun time. <laughs> All right, what did you what did you rate Scream? I rated it a five out of five. Whoa, that's crazy because I did that too. 
<laughs> That's so wild. I'm sure this will be an interesting episode because the episodes always are when we both rate things five out of five. Right. That, that was like the shortest like summary of my thoughts I've given on a movie lately, like this entire season. No, dude. Okay. But I'm okay with that because the summaries are supposed to be brief. And sometimes, sometimes we get to the summary and you're like, well, let me go into every tiny detail of the things that I want to talk about to where we have nothing to talk about in the discussion. Allow me to elaborate in in brief and in extreme precision to where everybody's like wow we don't have anything else to listen to now well we got to give the people what they want micah you can't you can't leave them waiting around oh, that's what they want uh anyway let's get into let's get into the deeper discussion Whoa. let's get into the serious stuff Revy. all right <laughs> Do we do it? I don't remember. Do we do a different do, segment? We don't don't do, do it. We used to. We used to do a segment. We used to do a segment. Okay, we're we're not breaking. Uh, we uh, just... Imagine a little harp noise, and That's now not... we're now we're in the deeper. Not discussion. harp noise, man. You're slamming the stuff slamming. in the in the listeners' ears. <laughs> but yes, the deeper discussion, Micah. Uh, so, Robbie, do you have any questions? Um, sure, I do. Uh, this movie kind of takes. Uh, an interesting approach to its opening. It doesn't include really of any of the main casts, yes. like in the opening. Uh, so I was just going to ask what you thought of that. I mean, cold open, like cold open kills, aren't like unheard of in slashers, obviously. But yeah. it's interesting to me how almost disconnected it feels from the rest of the movie. But it, it's, I think, it's a very good tone setter. No, so. I was about to say, I really, I really love the opening of this film. Yeah, it's super, super <laughs> gripping. Um, and it kind of gets you into like extremely invested in kind of the vibe of what Scream is going for before we ever get introduced to any of our main characters. Exactly. Like um, the horror stuff is really, really good. You kind of get a lot of the mystery offered. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of like, I don't know, it's funny. Like even the opening, yeah, which exactly. is probably one of the one of the less funny things. It's played it's played pretty straight. It, it's it's still pretty funny at point. <laughs> right. Um and I think that's really like the part of part of the unique charm of what makes Scream work so well is because I don't like I, it's very rare to see a horror movie that is funny that works this well like that works right. this well with its comedy that works this well with its themes that still stays pretty serious that still plays that still stays pretty scary right and I think like the opening is just like a genius way to set the tone. Yeah, I was going to mention cuz the opening really functions as kind of a a tone setting short film. Like you could just watch the opening of this movie and be like, "Wow, that was great." That's the that's the ride uh, the ride short film. It's <laughs> exactly. when you're waiting in line. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think um it really like establishes so much of what makes scream unique because you're right it is very funny but it also kind of it, it it's gripping in a way that like the rest of the movie definitely maintains and i think it's it really speaks to wes craven's like directing prowess that he's able to get such a mastery of tone like i haven't seen i, I haven't seen any of sam raimi's horror movies as of yet other yeah, than yeah. drag me I to was hell to say, you've seen drag me to hell um which does a pretty decent yeah, job I was about that to say, specifically. Which I, he's one of the few other horror directors I've seen other than Sam Raimi who's able to... like Wes Craven, you mean? Or Wes... No, yeah, other than... Like, Wes Craven's the one. Oh. Other well, than I Sam Raimi. about Sam Raimi <laughs> no, no, no. still. Wes Craven does a very good job of balancing, uh, like, the scary moments in this with the funny 
and more lighthearted moments. And I think a lot of the kills in this too are like a really good example of that. Yeah, I really, I still really <laughs> love that he does not, Ghostface does not get a single kill, I don't think. Except for, I don't remember, I think maybe the principal. I think the principal dies pretty easily. Yeah, he goes down pretty um, <laughs> But he does not get a single kill outside of that. Where he does not get like shwasted in the process. Even even Tatum like decks him and throws like three <laughs> beer bottles at him. Right. <laughs> He's getting injured severely. Um and yeah. I think that I think that kind of like as funny as that is, I think not only like I think it plays to the themes really well. A that like, you know, it's kind of funny. Uh, but B, like you it really kind of sets the tone for how kind of weirdly down to earth the killings in the movie feel right <laughs> yeah no it's that's one, interesting it's one of the most like because the movie's really goofy but one of the most like personal and almost intimate feeling like killers i have seen in a movie <laughs> which is goofy coming from this exactly yeah not something you'd expect but i i think something really interesting i, th- I think i saw it a tweet uh yesterday about this which yikes but but um they were talking about i think it was just like a compilation of uh ghost face in all of the scream movies just getting like beaten to a pulp <laughs> and there is someone mentioned that like one of their favorite aspects of this series is how um scrambling all of the murder scenes feel yeah like it, it's especially rare for slashers because so many of them are just like Someone sneaks up behind you and like kills you immediately. <laughs> instead, of, instead you get with this like just this like minute and a half long sequence usually of just like people fighting for their lives. Yeah, I was about to say even <laughs> even like that's one of the things that makes the opening so interesting mm-hmm. is because it's really long actually. Is, like, yeah. You don't expect it to be this long, uh, <laughs> but it takes a long time for him to actually like like get her <laughs> yeah no i when i first watched scream because i hadn't seen scream until like i don't know a couple months ago like yeah, five or seven months remember. ago um and i expected it to be like the length of an office cold open you know <laughs> i was like i was like oh they're probably gonna do like a like a minute long two minute long scene where there's like a joke and then she dies or whatever <laughs> but they introduced the movie stuff she talks for a long time. You get really into the atmosphere of being at this like empty house in I the jumped, middle of nowhere. I jumped so hard when the chair slammed through the glass. You did. It was really funny because I didn't <laughs> jump the first time or the second time the chair slammed jumped, through the I glass. I jumped both times. So we were sitting there and then he just like jumps so hard from this chair. <laughs> it got me so bad. <laughs> Yeah, no, the I the opening man, it's so good. <laughs> okay, so uh, what do you think of the of the setting? Because setting. settings, from what I've seen of Wes Craven's films, are pretty important. Of course, I've only seen two of them, but they're pretty. What's what's the other one you've seen? I know what you did last summer. Did he direct that? Yes. Oh, <laughs> Rabbi, what is going on? <laughs> I thought it was someone else. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, okay. I, wait, I thought it was him. No, it has a completely different director. Kevin Williamson is the connecting tissue Ma- between so Scream. Confused. Okay, Micah, Kevin Williamson, screenwriter for I Know What You Did Last Summer, yes, also wrote Scream. Yes, because it's Jim What's-His-Face, yes. Yes. But I thought, 
I'm so curious. I no, thought West... Wes Craven was it was like a producer or something. No, I don't. I don't think he was involved. I am. In that movie. I am <laughs> shook. No, I didn't. No, that was a mistake on my part because I knew he didn't direct it because I knew this guy who yeah, apparently yeah. didn't do another like good horror movie. Dang. Did it? Uh, but yeah, yeah. The screenplay <laughs> is done for. I know what you did last summer by Kevin Williamson. But yes, and the lady who wrote Hotel for Dogs. You are correct. Setting is very important to the two Kevin Williamson. <laughs> Kevin Williamson. Sorry, <laughs> I said I literally just said the wrong thing because okay. I knew Wes Craven okay, would direct okay. that <laughs> man. Okay, um, Kevin Williamson. What did I think of the setting? The setting of Scream. Of Scream. Um, where is this set? I don't know where it's set exactly. Yeah, I like I wanted to say like L.A. or something. Yeah, I feel I think it's in California. Yeah, it the, looks like California. They did the Scream event thing in California. I I assume it's California given the landscape and the houses, like the architecture and everything. Yeah. It looks like California, so I'm assuming it's California. <laughs> um, but what do I think of the setting? Um, I I really don't like how the movie uses its setting is what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't know. I I hadn't given it too much thought. Did I, I assume you had some nugget of truth to uh, provide for us? Mike? Westboro, California. Westboro. Okay. Yeah. There you go. It was, it was shot in uh, Santa Rosa, California. <laughs> but what did I, I don't I don't yeah I don't really know. You make you 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 wow. make a fool of me. Wow. Like I hadn't given it that much thought. No, I think I think they use the setting in a pretty unique aspect because okay. it's a very uh, it's a very small town, um, and it's a very like rich small town. Yeah. Um, so I think I think almost any time you get kind of things from the town, things of locations, everything feels very. Um, kind of kind of separated but kind of almost like in a manic way in fact almost all of like the high schoolers and any scene that you have from them is very off-putting <laughs> right like just very disturbing in a way almost from the way they react to stuff mm -hmm. and you take kind of all of these settings um for why did i just lose her name the main girl oh shoot what is her name <laughs> like a no <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, this is our clumsiest episode. So Sydney, far. yeah, you take all of these, you take all of these uh, areas yeah. for Sydney, and it kind of, kind of pieces together into this very kind of, kind of hollow, but like really in your face kind of world. Like everything feels very separated. All the houses are very alone. Nobody's around any of them. But yet everybody seems to just kind of like be there. It takes a while for everybody to get to places, but like it feels very, I don't know, up close and personal for Sydney, you know? It's very interesting. I don't know. I, I had never given it much thought because watching I Know What You Did Last Summer, like the setting of a fishing town, like on the 4th of July, it has so much character. Um, and Sc Scream also has like Yeah, a, I feel like the location has quite a bit of character. It does, It's just used yeah. for kind of different effect, especially with Sydney as our main character. Exactly. I just hadn't given as much thought because it's not as pronounced of a... Um, like, it's... It, it's a lot more similar to what I live in, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, I was just thinking about it because, like, it... Because, like, it's almost, like... It's often at night, and if it's not at night, it's often at the school. Yeah. At the school is very abrasive for Sydney specifically, and right. when it's not at the school, it's usually in some isolated location. Like, any, of the, any yeah. of the houses she's at 
it seems to take a long time for anybody to get there. It's a good it's a good note, Micah. <laughs> so I just thought it was very interesting for the setting because it was either um you know, it's either very abrasive for Sydney or kind of falsely secure for Sydney. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, no, I don't really have anything to add, but yeah. <laughs> oh, I just thought cuz cuz again, cuz if I know what you did last summer, mm-hmm. um like just the locations really stand out to me and i think it does a really good job of again getting the atmosphere of what the movie is going for yeah um and i i had something i wanted to bring up which i mean this is obviously i think one of the biggest talking points when it comes to scream is what do you think of its like metatextuality and transtextuality in metatextuality <laughs> <laughs> Would it, just yeah, as, the, way, the way it interacts with horror mythos and as movies, more or less the know? horror parody in ways yeah because i i think it's very interesting because i've never seen a movie handle like metatextuality in in a way in the way this does when it's not a satire because this isn't a satire it's it's a slasher yeah <laughs> and it's very very interesting which is interesting because it's it it feels like it should be just a, a satire of a slasher but it's not it it plays most of its beats very sincerely i mean technically speaking it was it was made as kind of a, a satire i mean yeah but it's that's the thing it's not like maybe maybe it is maybe maybe i'm misunderstanding the definition of satire but it seems too sincere to be a satire yeah, i don't know i don't know it's, it's very, very it's very yeah no but the way they utilize it in the movie is very interesting too because yeah. you were talking about this for um kind of like the themes of what they're going for for the characters and everything Mm -hmm. and how kind of the movie so much of the movie relates they relate to like movies and specifically scary movies for most of the thing in fact you know the movie was going to be called scary movie originally (laughs) um yeah (laughs) like it's very integral to the dna of the movie is that all of these characters essentially relate in some way or watch in some way movies yeah and it's interesting because a lot of people like a a lot of the reviews i've seen kind of point to that as like oh the characters know they're in a horror movie but i'm like i always just interpreted that as people who all they know the only way they know how to like translate the violence that they're seeing is through horror movies like i never saw that as like a wink to the audience like oh or in a horror movie, it's no, they're relating their actual lives to I mean, a horror Ruby, movie. I mean, at one point, Billy literally says, This is a movie. This is all a big movie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> While I practically know. looking at the camera. <laughs> I know. I don't know. Maybe maybe I have a bad interpretation for screen. No, I think, because see, see, I, think, I think honestly, on the surface level, there is a very clear just adds to the tongue-in-cheek of scream of them all being like yeah these are movies yeah we're in a movie exactly yeah but i do think you can take that a little bit deeper and talk about what you're talking about um where it kind of metatextually talks about a lot of the the situations and the way these characters handle the lives they're living exactly and see that's that's maybe i'm reading too far into scream (laughs) i don't know maybe it's just supposed to be a dumb slasher like dumb meta slasher but i think it's very I, I think that's why it's stuck around as long as it has well it can be a dumb meta Ex- slasher and have exactly exactly <laughs> and have depth and that's what that's what makes it so captivating <laughs> that's what i was gonna bring up it's, well, no, it's yeah, but, very but, interesting to me <laughs> yeah i think i think it's very interesting the way they go about relating um scary movies to stuff and i mean kind of the entire thing 
with what they say at the end when they reveal who the killers are mm-hmm. is again they they're like no like horror movies scary movies they don't they don't make killers they just make them more creative yeah um and i don't know like like all of like almost every element ties back to a movie usually in some way yeah yeah for sure well i figured you had more to say about that because you were saying more to me specifically <laughs> earlier um what else did i say <laughs> I I mentioned how, like, obviously, I think the big thing is uh, the processing of trauma through, like, relating your life to art you consume, which I I think is only becoming more relevant as people grow to be more consumption, like, a a lot of people base a lot of their lives now on, like, around consuming art, which I do a lot of the time. Well, see, and I was actually going to say, and that's kind of why I wanted you to bring it up. Yeah. Because I had a little, I had a little bit either, uh, not inherently a different read Mm -hmm. of that, but kind of similar, but different. Because you have all of these characters kind of, and it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of like a nope vibe. (laughs) Of you have all of these characters who are pretty much terrible people. Like almost every high schooler in this movie is shown to be just a terrible person. Right, yeah. Um, And all of them are obsessed with scary movies. They're obsessed with the gore. They're Mm -hmm. obsessed with like... The, the tropes, the tropes, the like, like everything in there, they're obsessed with, except for Sydney. Sydney doesn't like scary movies. Yeah, she doesn't watch them. <laughs> She's like um, the only character in the entire movie. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. I think I think that's very important for kind of because I think it's I think it's more or less criticizing the mindset of kind of you know using media as like a way to get off essentially. Yeah. No. I absolutely like, but I'm. Like, yes, that's the conclusion. (laughs) But I was just I was just bringing it up as like, you know, this is my read of the movie. And like, I obviously I think that's the conclusion that they're going for. Yeah. Um, But yeah, no, it it is very interesting. I didn't think about that. Sydney Sydney is the only person (laughs) in this entire movie who doesn't like scary movies. Exactly. Um, Because because maybe she's actually had a, a scary life. And, so you uh, think it's you think it's kind of criticizing the like consumption of trauma? Yeah, I like like that was kind of my read. Okay. Like like they kind of get like you know it, it's kind of disgusting to Sydney who witnessed her mom's death. Yeah, to to watch all of these people be so engrossed in the different elements of don't do this or you're gonna get killed or this yeah. is watch this person get brutally killed or here's the like obligatory this here is this in these movies about things that are similar to what she witnessed because you know she essentially lived a horror movie (laughs) apparently apparently my brain just shuts off when i'm watching scream because that had not occurred to me but that's a a good read of the movie (laughs) um but yeah no yeah i i think that's i think that's good I like it. <laughs> I was like, yes, I, uh, I, uh, I, like I agree with a good opinion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, no, again, and I think I think a lot of these elements and what makes Scream such an effective movie is a lot of these elements are kind of presented in ideas to you, kind of briefly questioned and answered, not in any very extensive amount, to the point that there's a lot of depth into the movie, but not enough that it takes away from the fact that, like... It's just really enjoyable. It's yeah. really you could turn off to this movie completely and still <laughs> enjoy it, or you could read into every little element and still enjoy it. Yeah, no, definitely for sure. And I think you mentioned um, 
like I, I I mentioned specifically the like criticizing the consumption of trauma. Yeah. And that's that pretty much sums up the news reporter character. Exactly. I don't, I don't remember her name. Like, um, no, but yeah, that's one of like, the, like one of the thing. one of the top reviews is uh, on Letterboxd for this movie is really funny because she like literally almost dies. Like she is <laughs> brutally attacked, and then like five minutes later, she's out there and she's like, "My first, my first account, like first hand account of all of these things." What stage of capitalism is this? <laughs> exactly. So I think it's I think it's very very tongue-in-cheek in a lot of ways and very almost poignant and like a lot of the ways it kind of points out how terribly these people react towards the traumatic events happening around them except for sydney yeah. sydney's the only one processing them really yeah no that's good <laughs> it's a good a good nugget <laughs> <laughs> now now you're making me wish i had more to bring to the table i was just gonna come here and like mention mention my uh read of it and then be like ah oh, wes craven he's so good at directing <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I think uh, yeah, I don't know. I yeah. feel like this movie's got decent amount of depth on top of just being fun. Yeah, absolutely, it does. I, I'm just bad at reading into it. That's that's the reason I'm not a. I don't want to be a critic by trade. I just think it's fun to talk about movies. Maybe I've gotten better at it since I, I started I doing video say, essays. Now that, now that you're writing video essays, I'm I'm out of my league. You know, I gotta I gotta read into everything. <laughs> um, but something else I wanted to bring up, unless you had. No, go for it. I was um, I was just about to ask what like if you had another question. Yeah, I was gonna ask what did you think of the cinematography because that's one of my favorite Ooh, aspects love, of this movie. Uh, yeah, that's one of my favorite aspects <laughs> of this movie. But I think it's very interesting because, on the whole, I don't think like for my personal taste in cinematography, it doesn't inherently quote unquote like kind of the. I guess the photography is more what I'm saying. The photography doesn't quote unquote stand out. Like if you take a frame of this movie. Oh, like stills? Yeah, I mean, stills. So there's so, some there's some nice looking like no, one there's shots. Some, there's some nice looking one shot, but nothing like, nothing it doesn't play to specifically no. my stylistic interests of how like just a still frame of this movie looks. No. But but movies aren't watched and still. But well, I'm just saying, <laughs> yeah, yeah. for aesthetics purpose, yeah, that isn't yeah. usually like my cup of tea. But one thing that this movie does insanely well is use its camera and its motion mm -hmm. and really like it, it does like almost these. And I and it's interesting because I wanted to actually I wanted to like read into it more. I wanted to figure out kind of what it meant filmmaking language wise uh -huh. but i didn't i didn't really come up with anything by the time we got to the podcast <laughs> but oftentimes you'll have a very stagnant frame and then to move towards some motion you'll have somebody you know using the using the lenses that they'll have like very drastically break out of frame like the motion will feel very harsh as they break out of the stagnant frame yeah yeah and i mean heck even again like you mentioned while we were watching the movie um even the scenes in the house and everything with the way they uses like their lenses and the cinematography it feels more like you're floating through the houses half the time with the way the motion is done i was about to say i can't imagine someone watching this movie and not loving like the floaty dutch angles and quick swipes and everything like the the way they shoot ghost face especially is so fun to me like they shoot they usually shoot him with a long lens or something, you know, 
they make him appear almost mythical, even though he's just like a guy who gets pushed around. <laughs> it's it's so good. No, they do a really good job of cultivating, like, again, the atmosphere of mm-hmm. what the movie is going for, even though, again, Ghostface is kind of goofy. At yeah, the time. yeah. Uh, which interesting, Mark Irwin did the cinematography yes. on this. Uh, cinematographer from 10 things i hate about you <laughs> and the fly and video the old fly or the cronenberg oh okay he's a cronenberg cinematographer i was about to say because mm. the fly video drone scanners um i was about to say maybe maybe that's the wrong era of hollywood he did the he did the dead zone oh he did the 80s blob the 80s blob that is an immaculately shot movie <laughs> no like he's he's out there he did the uh he did I don't remember which one this is, but it's one of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. He said did the cinematography oh, okay. for it, but okay. not the first one, but it's just called New Nightmare, so I don't New know which Nightmare. one it is. <laughs> Mike is like, I don't, I don't know what this is. But yes, he's a he's a Cronenberg, on the most part, uh, that makes sense, cinematographer. Though. Yeah, man, I don't know. It's This movie is something, you know? <laughs> No, in, like, in the way it's shot. No, you, you say that, but like I I very much get what you mean. Mm-hmm. It's a very unique feeling to be in this cinema like the cinematic language of this movie is very unique, I think. Yeah. Um and like I said, there's something about it. There's something about that I that I can't explain because I don't I'm not that not as literate. Not in as film. literate in actual like camera movement, yeah, filmmaking, yeah. kind of things like that. Um but just the way they utilize a lot of the close-ups versus their mm-hmm. wide lenses and the way they utilize a lot of their um depth of field and everything makes for like a very interesting unique experience while watching the movie and I, I haven't really seen too many other movies that use depth of field like this movie does or use kind of extreme close-ups and long long like not long wides but like you know staying on wide shots for a long time yeah and it, it really i don't know it's really like an awesome movie it's to gripping, watch. Yeah. It's it's beautiful. It's gripping, and it uh, it's very effective. I don't have the the terminology <laughs> for why because I just don't know like actual cinematography stuff that well. Yeah. Um. The like the only thing I was really gonna mention was how great the anamorphic stuff in this is. Um. Because it provides you such a uh, such an intimate knowledge of the space that people are in, and like it it. I, I think it adds to what am I trying to say here? The, kind of the first person's perspective that we get in all of the horror sequences, like the anamorphic lens accentuates the point of view of the person being chased. Yeah, here's here's an interesting thing. Yeah, because um, you just brought that up and it made me think. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I think the anthro the <laughs> anamorphic anamorphic. Why do I keep trying to say anthrop- anthropomorphic, which is not correct? That would be scary. An anthropomorphic lens. <laughs> uh, the anamorphic lens. One thing that I think that really does is again play to kind of uh, a lot of the vibe of kind of like the the desperate manicness of the mm-hmm. killings. Like because again, it gets you kind of in the mindset of the victim in terms of like you're constantly looking around. Mm-hmm. You're kind of like swinging. You're running. You're moving fast, but you're looking everywhere. And it's super effective. And you pair that with the very personal, like, extreme close-ups of faces that they do mm-hmm. for kind of... Because, again, I like I said, the killings oftentimes feel strangely intimate for an unknown killer in a mask. Yep. <laughs> um, so I think, it, I think they do a really good job of, like, making their cast feel so intimate and really getting you into the headspace of any of the people and, like, under attack, 
using Absolutely. using the lenses and like the cinematography. Yeah, no, I it makes me wish doing this podcast makes me wish I was a little more literate in film, which I am studying. I was about to say, I was pretty sure you were studying. No, I Mr. am studying to be a cinematographer, but it's just like. Um, when a movie is shot this well, it makes me wish I could pick it apart with more depth than I can on yeah. this podcast. I was hoping you could, Rebbe. I was looking to you to, to tear apart if, the if cinematography. I am, if I am it. your source of uh, cinematography genius, then <laughs> this, it's a sad day. I, I, I care more about about writing. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a writing guy, a writing man. It's just, I don't know. It, it has such a visual mastery, and it's, it's so nice to see amongst like modern horror which is a lot of what i've seen that's what i brought up specifically um that's why i brought up specifically that like aesthetically it's not particularly my thing it's it's really Um, kind of a grayish movie it it looks not that great a lot of the time because despite that um it's one of the most engaging to watch movies i've ever like, like visually engaging with its cinematography movies i've ever seen yeah um which again, compare that to mo- modern horror. Um, <laughs> I call I call scream grayish. It looks like a painting compared to modern horror. <laughs> well, even just uh, like a lot of a lot of my big problems with a lot of horror movies I've seen, and a lot of uh, slashers are usually different. I love slashers so far. Yeah. Slashers is my favorite horror genre. Yeah, it's my favorite too. Um, <laughs> but a lot of like especially supernatural horror and stuff, which is uh, I'm just not that interested. A lot of times. Yeah. But a lot of times I. Re- it really bothers me the way they use cinematography because i mean sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't but a lot of supernatural haunted house style horror movies use cinematography to be very restricting um purposefully like they'll cut angles they'll try and get you to constantly and sometimes very rarely if it's a well-written movie and it really gets you into it and everything and the cinematography is decent like you know, I'll be like, yeah, I'll be, I'll be engrossed in that. Take like the Babadook cinematography, yeah. or like The Conjuring. <laughs> I was gonna bring up The Conjuring actually, because I think that's a really well shot. Those movie. are those are two examples, and even and even The Conjuring is it gets into what the second half of what I was gonna bring up with mm-hmm. this. Uh, um, but a lot of times, the only way that those get to work is if they use those and kind of a similar effect to kind of get into any of the action. And I think in The Conjuring, especially, and even in The Babadook. Um, despite a lot of the hard um tight cutting off camera angles they do a lot of like movement they do a lot of fun once things get going that's what i really love about the conjuring is how much the camera livens up in the like last 40 minutes or so and so many so many horror movies especially modern horror movies are just so stiff (laughs) and i'm just like oh my gosh my neck hurts and like, you know, like I've just, it, it's not interesting. It's not engaging. And I think a horror movie, especially has got to be visually engaging. Like the camera yeah. movements itself, the camera has to be like essentially a character. And that's, that's, that's why I love horror so much is it lets, it, it lets people suspend their disbelief just a little bit more because they want to be scared by the movie. Yeah. And it lets directors let loose and, you know, cinematographers and just filmmakers in general, it lets them just have more fun crafting the movie without having to worry about what the audience is going to think it's, of it. It's the real reason I'm not, I'm not that, uh, pressing to watch paranormal activity. <laughs> Dude, I can't wait to see that movie. Because, <laughs> I don't know, like stagnant, stagnant stuff in a house 
it does not sound interesting okay. to me. Stagnant shots can work really, really well. It just it it takes a lot of good staging, a lot of yeah. good staging. And I don't know, like so many of the horror movies I've seen are just so <laughs> dry and bland. And well, they're just very clumsily shot. Like they it it looks like they were just shooting coverage of a scene, and then they'll figure out how to put it together visually in post, which is not. A good way to shoot horror, in my opinion. Yeah, like I said, I think I think horror specifically, I mean, every genre I think needs to have good cinematography, but I think horror specifically, like I said, the camera needs to be a character. Well, yeah, because it's so pivotal in setting the mood and the scariness of a scene, you know? I was about to say, because often, oftentimes um, in horror movies, even the main character is not usually your audience character. That is not the character you're like the audience inherently gets into. Scream, I would say less so. I think I think the audience attaches itself to Sydney pretty well. Yeah, no, it um, has to. <laughs> but oftentimes in horror movies, you know, you're you're not inherently connected to that character, so you end up kind of connecting yourself to the character of the camera. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And if your movie, if your if your horror movie or scary movie does not have a good character camera, I often like get really bored with it as a horror movie. Jaws is a really good example of that. Jaws, Texas Chainsaw, <laughs> Suspiria, Texas Chainsaw is Scream, also a very good example. The Thing, of that. all of my favorite horror <laughs> movies have like, I don't know. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess I guess to one of like the final things I wanted to go over, um, like me specifically anyway. I don't. You can bring up something else if you want. Um, is how great the cast is. What did you think of the cast? The cast like, is uh, so much fun, right? I love this cast. Uh, like literally, Dewey. Dewey is like literally. Um, uh, it's David Arquette. Uh, mm-hmm. Like literally gives such a good performance. He's so much fun. He's funny. Every <laughs> dude and the writing around him is like amazing. Like every dude. bit with him. Like he's he's honestly one of my favorite characters in the movie just because of how like engaging and I don't know, like funny and comforting. Yeah. He's, he's like he's like a uh, I don't know. I don't know how to describe him. He's a sweet funny goofy little character <laughs> and they just oh man dude like this the him taking the bite of the ice cream oh every time he, he smoked that's one of the best bits in this whole movie oh <laughs> uh, i was we were dying laughing because that's amazing i think i think sydney honestly ends up being one of my least favorite like characters of the movie but that's just because she is the most serious element of this, and oftentimes, like, I'm like, oh, but these characters are so much fun. Yeah. And again, the movie kind of criticizes that, but, um, because, like, man, Matthew Lillard's performance is really fun. Like, really, really <laughs> I don't know. fun. I don't I know love what Matthew, Matthew Lillard. Lillard was doing in this, dude. <laughs> I love Matthew Lillard. Um, but Randy, I don't remember the name of the guy who played Randy. I really enjoyed his performance. Uh, Jamie Kennedy. Um, but yeah, you have Billy and um, Sydney, and they're very they're very serious performances usually. Yeah, usually. But man, like <laughs> they're all good. They're it's all just, so good. It's so good, and I I assume that Wes Craven is a good director because the performances all gel so well. When with a script like this, you could very easily misread a role. Yeah, I was about to say that's actually a really interesting thing to bring up because mm-hmm. I was going to mention this. It's very interesting. I thought the first time we watched this, how they introduce their characters and how they deal with their main characters mm-hmm. because they're not 
like they're a friend group, but they're not really like a friend group. Yeah, they're not really like friends. They, they seem just... very antagonistic to yeah. each other, like all the time. Because <laughs> like you're introduced and they're all hanging out. You got you got Randy, Sydney, Billy, uh, Stu, and Tatum. Tatum. Yeah. And like the five of them, they're <laughs> like Tatum. <laughs> they're they're hanging out and they seem like you know typically yeah. like your typical movie. They would be like you know just like a tight friend group. They would do everything. Fun loving group friend, of kids. No, these are that, that's not them. <laughs> yeah. Especially after like the killings and everything. Like yeah. Randy is constantly at the throat of like Billy and Stu, <laughs> and like Sydney doesn't know. Like, Stu's she... like the worst person in the world in this movie. <laughs> He's so bad, right? Uh, and you know Sydney is always questioning Billy, and Tatum is just like being tatum it's like i don't know it's a very unique friend group and it really only like works i think because of a lot of the cast yeah it feels so fully realized and like i don't know it, yeah it's it's great they, they sell that these guys for some for some unknown reason would be friends exactly right <laughs> um but yeah no i just thought it was i thought it was worth shouting them out because they are just absolutely no, yeah, I, I love the cast. Yeah, killer Remy. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, even Drew Barrymore. Even I'll, Drew Barrymore. I'll say it. Yeah, no, she's really fun in this for the bit she's in it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did want to bring up one last thing. I have one okay. last thing. I was saving it for the end. All right. Uh, what do you think of the finale? The reveal. All of all of the Ooh. the final stuff, the final because I think the final house sequences like are amazing. I, mean, I love the house stuff at the end. The final house sequence is like over a third of this movie, isn't it? Well, it's I'm so saying long. yeah, but I'm saying like I mean yes, the entire house stuff is fantastic yeah. in my opinion. But even just like the oh, the you're kind saying of final like bits after Ghostface appears at the house yeah. kind of thing. Okay, the kind of wrap up of the movie. Um, what do I think of it, just generally? Yeah, what do you think of the reveal? What do you think of the horror? What do you think of the, like, the situations, the, the locations? I don't, I don't know. What do you think? Hmm. <laughs> There's a lot to tackle there, because you get, like, the reveal of the killer, you get, which is brilliant in my mind. Like, I love the central, like, mystery and the again like the tongue-in-cheek kind of like who who's the killer you know because yeah. it always has to be like one of the ch many choices in your character roster yeah um and i think the reveal at the end is really clever and smart which obviously like i think most people do right. <laughs> for scream um but like the sequence on the whole i think is also really great and gripping and it, it maintains the energy to a, an extent that i wouldn't expect no i was about know? to say it constantly feels like it just like like i mean like you said the house stuff goes on for like a third of the movie um, yeah and it doesn't it doesn't feel it like almost you know like it feels so like once you get to the house everything feels so like succinct and flowy and like really unique with that yeah absolutely um, but no, I really, I really love the reveal. I love the way that like they use, again, kind of, kind of the fact that they don't really have any reason to be killing anybody, as to kind of add to a lot of the themes of what they're going for and a lot of the meta, like the metatextual stuff that they're going mm -hmm. for in the movie. I think it's, like again, criticizing, kind of getting off on, like you know, essentially other people's trauma and stuff like that. Yeah, no, um, and. Uh, I really, I really love just the way that entire scene goes down and the way it plays out. Um, I love the, I love the, like the detail of when like Stu gets like 
you know, Billy gets upset with Stu, so he stabs him way too many times, and he actually starts bleeding out. Dude, I, I the first time it happened when we were watching the movie, I'm like, are, are they serious right now? That's pretty good. Um, and I and I actually want to, I think they do a really good job because a lot of movies um, do not pull off the kind of like they joke about the ending where like the killer keeps not actually like dying and i think they i think they pull it off really well of like the keep switching of power structures of like this person is here to help and then oh no randy's down and then oh no this and then oh no this and then it keeps like it keeps going and going and going for that final little bit but i think it i think it's really well paced and works i was about to say it feels like a like a scramble or a mad dash to get to the end but it also doesn't feel out of control yeah which is a very hard thing to do exactly because like a lot of movies when you would get to this point i'd be like okay we get it (laughs) yeah right uh but but in this i'm just like yeah yeah this is like so engaging i i love how like all of the like all of the non-main characters end up clearing out of the house right i think that's so funny it's a huge party and then they end up like it just like everyone leaves to just the main characters (laughs) I thought that was right. shout out shout out to Stu's sweater. I want, Stu. I want his sweater. You want, the, you want Stu's sweater? I want Stu's sweater. Channeling Matthew Lillard. Sure. <laughs> I can't match his energy. He's too powerful. I don't, man, what we need to get him in more roles. More right. work more work for Matthew Lillard, please. Since he's since, very good. since his Scooby era and since he's been in like every Scooby Doo movie and he still is, he's mostly done like random one off like T V show characters and yeah. stuff. It's Great very weird, uh, but Matthew Lillard is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Love love Matthew Lillard. Also, shout out to um, Skeet Yorick because he is great. And <laughs> who does he play? Uh, Billy. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Like I don't know, man. I don't know what he was doing. I don't know what any of the cast was doing. <laughs> shout out to the principal too. Oh my gosh, the principal's little monologue stuff that he does. I love it's him. So funny. He's dude. so funny, and it's uh, I don't know. I love this movie, uh, but that's really all I had to specifically um bring up you know yeah yeah um and i usually we'd talk about like this in the context of the rest of the series but we haven't really seen the rest of the series so um i guess we'll have to see in the next episode um i i guess i i feel like i haven't talked that much about scream like what i what i think of it personally you know i i feel like we spent a lot of time like analyzing it and everything but uh, at the end of the day, my my to close my thoughts so I don't feel like I left anything out. <laughs> um, I think it is immensely fun, very well crafted like slasher horror that somehow dances the line between like satire and just a straight up like great funny slasher. Yeah, I, and it it kind of breaks my brain because I want it to just be like either a straight up like satire of slashers and like go full out like just like this like the slasher genre is kind of dumb but it, it somehow manages <laughs> to mean, do that while do that. still yeah. being a very serious slasher which like that's insane to me no like, it's that why it breaks again, my it's, brain it's, it's, it's like a classic <laughs> it's a well-renowned well-known like super like integral to horror yeah. history classic for a reason because it's doing something that i literally again i haven't seen the rest of the scream movies but literally haven't seen anything else do yeah um but yeah no i i genuinely think this is one of the most fun horror movies i've ever seen it's super fun it's super engaging it's it's scary it's in your face 
Um, I, we didn't even mention it, but I think like the killings themselves are all very they're, like they're so extremely good. harsh feeling somehow. Like they pull off like somehow being very like you feel the blows again the um, cinematography, which is yeah, a very r- rare thing. I think the sound design is insane on this movie. I didn't even bring that up. Like the scissors thing with the oh principal. Oh my gosh! Like there's there's so much there's like you could just talk about this movie for forever. It's one of my that's um, my that's one of my favorite things about movies is like these kind of movies is the ones where you can just like sit down and just like pick apart every element and f- manage to find something new. Yeah, and, and I think and exciting, and I think that's really what makes scream such a classic and yeah like it's it's it, everything about it is classic everything about it is rewatchable everything about it is either just as simple as you want it to be or just as pick up as you want it to be exactly you and, can you can read this as like the dumbest slasher ever and it still works it's still a good time and it maintains to be one of the best horror movies i think i've i think i've seen i really love it yeah absolutely um so yeah, a pretty a pretty glowing review. This might be actually one of the best like overall scores we've given a movie because we both gave it a five. Like that's a very yeah. rare occurrence. Ugh, both giving it a five, that's crazy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Wes Craven's Scream. I cannot Craven cannot Scream. wait for Scream Two. I cannot wait to watch it. <laughs> it's I've I know some people who like like who think Scream Two is the best. Exactly, one, that's what which I hear. Is crazy. And if it's um, better than Scream, what am I going to do? I was about to say I don't know if I'll be able to handle that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we'll be back. I think in two weeks is when we're planning on doing. Scream yeah, because we're gonna, we're going to take a take a. I, I'm thinking we're probably going to talk about Rob Zombie's new Monsters movie this yeah, next week, hopefully. Idea. Um, but then after that, yes, we will be back to Scream. But yeah, that was that was Scream. I hope you enjoyed that discussion. And now let's let's talk about what we watched this week. Let's do it. All right, so we are going from the 25th. <laughs> It was a very low-key, very low-key start to the, what we watched. Yeah, like. okay, so yeah. But uh, for those of you who don't know or have never listened this far into the podcast, uh, we do a little segment at the end we call the What We Watched segment where we talk about everything else we've watched since our last episode. This time it will not be very long as we did not go crazy. <laughs> did not go crazy. Um, That's good to know. <laughs> so we'll just share our ratings and some brief th- thoughts, if I can speak. Nothing yes. too fancy. Uh, so what did, what did we watch first, Ruby? <sighs> Sorry, I'm yawning. That was not intentional. <laughs> on, the, on the 26th, after Dead Poets Society. After Dead Poets Society, we watched a little, a little Stanley Kubrick film. A little film, ditty. A little ditty <laughs> called Lolita. Interesting film. Very, very interesting. Film. Very interesting. This film. was this was a rewatch for me. I was very curious <laughs> to watch it again, just because I was kind of. I don't know. With the, like, I mean, if you know what Lolita is, mm. <laughs> it's a very baffling movie. I, how did they ever make a movie out of Lolita? <laughs> well, like, like I mean, you brought up a really good question that I'm just sitting there wondering now. Uh-huh. Uh, why did Stanley Kubrick did choose, Kubrick choose want to make to this? direct this? I don't like, like, I mean, it's extremely <laughs> anti, like pedophile like obviously it's i I, i've mentioned that to somebody like why would they direct it and they were like well maybe he's a pedophile i was like well i i don't i very seriously doubt that being that they make this movie like they have the sentiment uh, of lolita is that like humbert be like literally the worst yeah humbert's like the worst person terrible in every single way and the movie knows it like (laughs) it it very directly criticizes it pulls no punches in showing you how terrible of a person he is so 
Like, but but why? Yeah. Like, well, not why is he a terrible, but like, why make the movie? Why? Yeah. No, I love Kubrick. I love his craft and the eye for like visuals he has. No, and I think it's a great movie. No, and I I think it's a great movie too. But I just am genuinely curious why Kubrick wanted to make Lolita as like, and this is like one of his early movies. Yeah. No, it's very interesting. Weird. But I think the cast does a fantastic job. I think it's really really disturbing. Um, like I said, I really love how the way they, they open up with kind of like the most violent act to kind of show you how much more like, like, I don't know, they open up with the murder, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Which I think plays to how much more disturbing everything else in the movie. <laughs> right. Feels. The fact that it opens with this man murdering someone and then it only gets <laughs> kind of more gross and disturbing after that. Which again was was a was a change that Kubrick made to this like to the story. Like originally that was just gonna be at the end of the movie. Yeah. Um but I don't know. Like it's very it's a very, very good movie. There's a lot of really, really fantastic craft behind it. A lot of in depth stuff with its framing and its settings and its set design and yeah. its acting and like it's it's fantastic but like <laughs> at the same time you know with what it's about it's not a particularly fun movie to watch yeah it, it begs a lot of questions about like the what art should portray versus like what art like yeah because what like, we want art to portray yeah, i was about to say because like a black comedy about pedophilia and an abusive <laughs> guy is it, it, interesting exactly yeah <laughs> i i said it's kubrick at his most hitchcockian and i think i'll stand by it definitely that. is which again i saw somebody saying that this movie <laughs> i don't know uh, this is my final thing about it because i don't want to talk about it too long yeah it was this movie is where stanley kubrick took everything that made hitchcock very seductive and twisted it into being very disturbing yes which i think is like fantastic craft wise exactly um, but again like <laughs> Uh, Kubrick's genius filmmaker, questionable decision maker. <laughs> like I just don't know. Like again, yeah, I just don't know why. Why? Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe like pe the people needed this film in the '60s. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe they needed to see how terrible, the, the, like, was pedophilia more did they rampant need a, back yeah, then. Yeah. Did they need a wake up call? Like I don't know. <laughs> like, 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 I mean, that's why I'm pretty sure that was why the book was originally written was to show like how abusive and awful and gross, like it was yeah yeah um um but anyway later or well i i didn't tell you what i, I gave it for i also five. gave it a four out of five um but anyway later that day i watched a finnish film for the very first time 2022 did you finish it rapid 2022's hatching micah <laughs> yes i did <laughs> um it's a family horror movie like a horror movie about a family i mean i guess you could let like a teenager watch this i don't know about a young kid <laughs> um it's almost del toro-esque in its horror which is very nice i like seeing it um uh, it was fun and the the premise is good like really good and everything else is pretty good it's just the family dynamic stuff which is the like heart of the movie never really clicked for me so I, I think I get what they were going for, but it just never, like, worked the way I hoped it would. But it was still good. I liked the um, puppetry and uh, horror creature designs and everything. It was a very cool movie. Yeah. 
Um, but I gave it a four out of five. Nice. Good stuff. Uh, then we hopped on down to our local AMC. The local uh, AMC. And sat down for cinema. <laughs> <laughs> we really did. Uh, we went to the IMAX 3D re-release of Avatar. Avatar. Uh, we which, just did an episode. Which, yeah, we did an episode on it not too long ago. Yeah. But man, I wish we would have done that before we did the episode. <laughs> because like, if you haven't seen it in 3D, like real 3D, um a real it thing. feels like it feels like a completely different movie it really does it's oh man it's so engrossing and it's entertaining and emotional and beautiful and i i just i was i was fully into it when we were in the theater it was fantastic american blockbusters may have peaked with avatar <laughs> and i don't know that we can ever I match I, it i don't know about that <laughs> i disagree but but yeah no it's it's so good it's such a deeply like human film given especially <laughs> it, it's so like sincere that it's often goofy which yeah. is good i i like it <laughs> and its world building is fantastic oh yeah and i mean it's the avatar. vfx man the vfx look fantastic it, it was shot for 3d i can't believe it's age it was shot well. for 3d and i hadn't seen it in 3d and now i have and i feel like i've actually seen the movie now <laughs> but yeah i gave it i gave it a four and a half out of five i it gave it a five fantastic it's great stuff. Uh, then on the 28th, we sat down for Happy Halloween, Scooby-Doo. But it wasn't Halloween. No. Happy Halloween, Scooby-Doo. <laughs> I guess we can still wish uh, Scooby a happy Halloween. You can wish Scooby a happy Halloween anytime. <laughs> I see. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm watching through every Scooby-Doo movie. Um, yeah. And this was this was one of the newer ones to go through on the list. Um, and it, yeah, it, was an, it, was, it was an interesting was one. It was a very, it was a very unique Scooby-Doo movie. <laughs> But it was. It felt very messy. It felt very like a lot. It had a lot of the problems that a lot of modern Scooby Doo movies have. Uh, but you know, it stayed fun. It stayed creative. It was inventive. That's all you can ask for, really. At the end of the day, <laughs> I gave it. I gave it a three and a half out of five. Uh, I also gave it a three and a half out of five. It was the weirdest crossover movie I've ever seen. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> it crossed over Batman. Elvira and Bill Nye. Bill Nye, baby. Rather prominently, all three of right? those things. <laughs> they're all they're all crucial plot elements. <laughs> uh, then on the thirtieth, what did we watch, Remy? We watched the immortal classic uh, of cinema, Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. Whoa. The nineteen fifty four one. <laughs> Shout out to the nineteen fifty four immortal classic Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea written by Jules Verne. Which for some reason has crossover and cast with Lolita. <laughs> yeah, right. Which you know, James Mason he, he's I would. Good. He's very good in this. I question what his agent was doing. Right. Apparently, they wanted <laughs> Cary Grant uh, to be Professor Humbert and Lolita, and he was like adamantly, no. adamantly against it. Which, uh, yeah, I would be too. I would not want to play him. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. But yeah, Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, um, best live action Disney movie. Yes confirmed peter laurie <laughs> kirk douglas oh my goodness stacked cast for sure um the lighting the, the sets, lighting the sets the, the practical effects the practical effects the atmosphere the giant squid it's really fun it was, was kind of it was surprising <laughs> i was i did not expect this to be fun it's still a little i don't know i don't like the structure that much of the story itself um and i think I don't know. Maybe it's just the book, like like adapting it too closely to the book or yeah. something. But I think this kind of story, the way it's presented, would work a lot better in a book. Uh, I yeah. wish they would have changed it some in the way that it presents itself. 
for the movie. Um, That's why it's, it's not a five for but me. It's but it's so yeah. really, really fun. The cast is really fun. The effects are really cool. Um, Dude, the, the giant, giant squid <laughs> again. Yeah, that's fantastic. I have no idea how they did that. I don't know. I, I, I'm scratching my head. How did they make the giant squid look so good? But yeah, I don't know. It's just it's a fun movie to be in. It's a very it's so like it's a very low stakes, yeah. relaxing, classic feeling movie. Like, like I said, best live action. Again, Disney it, movie. it gives those vibes of again, and and I actually realized this after I put this in my review. But mm-hmm. both of what I mentioned were actually live action Disney movies. But uh, in Search for the Castaways and the live action Treasure um, Island, it yeah. has that vibe. But like a good movie. I was about to say, but like with actual thematic richness and a good cast and everything. Which is which is good because I have a lot of nostalgia for that vibe of that the movie is going for because I grew up on both of those movies. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but I gave it a four out of five. Uh, I gave it a four and a half out of five. Whoa. Big big recommendation for me. I love it. Great stuff. <laughs> uh, then on the first... The first um, of October this I watched, very month. I watched Scooby-Doo, The Sword and the Scoob. The Sword and the Scoob. Uh, <laughs> which, is another, which is another very new Scooby-Doo movie, uh, 2021. And I don't know, man. Newer Scooby-Doo, they, they need to they need to get like a new director or something. They need something to to put a spark back into Scooby-Doo because this is fine, but it's, it's just fine. Most of the new Scooby-Doo movies I've seen have been pretty mid tier and this is pretty mid tier to a fault. It's, it's, it just doesn't do much. It's pretty boring. It's fine. There you go. It's, I don't know. We, we can hear all about it in your Scooby-Doo ranking video. <laughs> yeah. Also Velma <laughs> sucks. I'm sorry. Velma what? is terrible in this. My one. favorite scooby I was about to say Velma is my favorite <laughs> Scooby-Doo alumni character person and almost all modern Scooby-Doo makes her terrible and annoying. And this movie, it like doubles down on how annoying she is. She does absolutely nothing but complain and talk about how no, because science. You know, it's funny. I actually think my my favorite uh, Scooby-Doo members are either like Daphne or Shaggy. Either that or uh, Scrappy is an honorary mention. Scrappy though. is great. <laughs> but no, Velma is just Velma is just super grating this time yeah, and yeah. literally brings nothing to the movie, which is very sad. Sad times, man. She's yeah. one of the most interesting characters. Right. I gave it a three out of five. Womp womp. Uh, on the 1st of October, I watched uh, a little German war movie. Just um, a little German war flick. Just, just a, little, a little movie about the horrors of war, you know? Yeah, a little casual watch. <laughs> um... Very, very good. I liked it a lot. Um, I mean, there's no shortage of, like, harrowing... Harrowing? I don't remember how to pronounce that. Harrowing, uh, like, war movies, like, very desolate. It's about a group of children being drafted and then sent out into battle the next day. (laughs) um like unintentionally like it's just it's literally just a mistake (laughs) um it's like a stanley kubrick movie yeah (laughs) um but what's really like wild about it like i finished like you get to the end of the movie and it's very sad because like pretty much i like spoilers for a 50s german war movie um but everyone's pretty much dead at the end of the movie um and then it like fades to black and says these events transpire like gives the date like it's they tell you at the very end that it's based on a true story i'm like are you kidding me (laughs) oh Um, but yeah wild stuff gotta Um, hate it (laughs) pretty well crafted very well performed uh i gave it a four out of five it's called the bridge i i I didn't i realized i didn't say you never said the name the bridge yes uh then on the second second uh, i watched aloha (laughs) scooby-doo 
I'm like German war movie. Mike is like Aloha Scooby Doo. Um, which Aloha Scooby Doo? Sadly, it ain't it. It's Same about it. about on the same tier as the the Mexico the Mexico Scooby Doo movie uh. of just like a being really boring and b being kind of culturally insensitive. Fair enough. Yeah, um, the, the Mexico one is a little bit more. I, I, no, I don't even know if I would say that. <laughs> but see, what's crazy about Aloha Scooby Doo is it seems firmly on the side of the Islanders for like most of the movie. It uh-huh. shows you how badly, uh, like the the mainlanders treat them. It like like the entire thing kind of cent- centralizes around the fact that man, it really sucks that the mainlanders are here. They're taking like they're in part of our like yeah competition that was just for islanders for so many years now they're being terrible blah 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 blah. and then the entire thing like pulls the rug out of that by being like well maybe the maybe the islanders were actually the bad guys and the mainlanders are really the good guys and they should be here and they should be taking all of the land and i'm like what (laughs) mike is like wait a minute and it also and it also is the second movie after samurai sword that compares like one of the one of the ethnic groups of what they are showing either to a dog directly or have them beat by a dog oh no and i'm like oh my gosh can we not do this scooby-doo interacting and i know uh, hawaii is part of the united states but like a why is it part of the united states it's a pacific island right uh but it is definitely like it's still a different culture and scooby-doo movies should just never portray a different culture especially (laughs) being that they somehow keep going to like marginalized cultures right (laughs) like why not go scooby-doo goes to russia or something scooby-doo goes to europe like like scooby-doo goes to france i don't know (laughs) they just keep going to the worst going to like islands and africa like Uh, but yeah all in all it made for not the worst scooby-doo movie and like it wasn't the worst even on that front uh, they're a lot worse again samurai sword and even the mexico one i yeah. don't remember the name they're pretty bad in that area but it was just boring and uninteresting i give it a two and a half fair enough uh on the second i watched a little a little film you might have heard of called battle of the sexes nope nobody's heard of nobody's that heard of it. i've literally Robbie, not heard a single person talk about that <laughs> since it came out right no I, this came out back in 2017 and it was from like two i remember i remember when it came out yeah but um, i have not heard a single person talk about it since it came out biopic about billy jean king uh with emma stone billy jean <laughs> exactly (laughs) you know it really it really surprised me this is one of the best like um well i would i shouldn't say one of the best best. it it surprised me that this was like a um bisexual story it i did not know that i did not know that it was i didn't know it was going to be but it's actually pretty well done the only trouble is uh she's married so Uh. (laughs) it's it's a little reprehensible which makes me sad because this is actually one of like the best depictions of that that i've seen on screen um but like also morally questionable (laughs) so i did not know that about like at all yeah battle of the sexes interesting movie very well shot um emma stone is not at her best here but still good um steve carell is a weird casting choice but like he does he does pretty well in this um (laughs) that's kind of how i feel about him in most everything 
Like, you can tell he is a good actor, but I think he's just, like, miscast most of the time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, interesting movie. I thought it was pretty great. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I gave it a four out of five. I, I'm, su I'm surprised more people don't like it, honestly. Or at least haven't seen it. Like, hardly anyone I know has seen it. <laughs> no, I've literally never heard anybody talk about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's what we watched. Then we watched Scream yeah, last and night. we watched Scream last night. Had the, had the volume all, all the way up, you know? That was, that was, that was the week. <laughs> that was, the, that was the week. <laughs> Some good movies. This is, the, I, I'll maintain that this is probably like our sloppiest episode we've done in a while. I don't know about that. I mean, we've been so, dis I've been so disorganized. <laughs> I, 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 I made like one, you've been one raining, mistake. You've been raining me in. Mike. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was our episode. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, go, watch, yes. go watch some good movies. Go watch Avatar while it's like it's bare, like it's about to be it's out about of theaters. It's about to be out of theaters, man. Uh, go watch the IMAX 3D if you can. Go watch Scream. Watch some good spooky movies. Go watch Mean Girls. It's Mean it's, Girls Day, Micah. Mean Girls Day. October 3rd. October 3rd. Yeah. <laughs> mean Girls, I hate to say it, is not a Halloween movie. No, it's not. But Micah, on October 3rd, <laughs> he asked her what the date was. <laughs> it's October 3rd. <laughs> I want to try and watch Mean Girls today, but I also want to see Children of Paradise before I take it back to the library. So, but yeah. <laughs> it's the uh, eternal struggle. <laughs> we've got stuff to do. Got or at least I've do. got stuff to do. I, uh, so, <laughs> I don't know what you were up to today. You don't know my life. Calling I'm, people I'm gonna watch, watching movies. I was going to say, watch, I'm going to watch some Ted Lasso, and then I'm going to watch Children of Paradise. Yeah, I got work. Got a job. <laughs> I know. Alright, well, thank you guys for listening. We will see you next week, maybe with the monsters. Hopefully. <laughs>